Hello and welcome to Cryptids Decrypted. Just a few notes before we get started. If you like our podcast and, uh, I don't know, and you enjoy hearing us talk about cryptids, let us know. Best ways to do that. If you are on a platform where you can rate us, which I think is like probably just Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, uh, go ahead and drop us a rating or a review. Uh, if you're not, I don't know, reach out to us on Twitter. If you have that, we are at Cast Decrypted. Uh, that account really loves to flame my personal account all the time. It's good fun. Doesn't hurt at all. Doesn't Definitely doesn't keep me up at night. Anyways, at Cast Decrypted on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Instagram, uh, which I believe is just at Cryptids Decrypted because it was available. Uh, another great way to support us. Uh, well, mostly, mostly me. Another great way to support me is I'm an author. You can check out my website. It is macashton.com. If you go to macashton.com slash library, there are some, uh, I think, pretty good short stories that are free. I also have books for purchase anywhere that you would buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, whatever. You just search my name or uh, Nick Ventner, which is my protagonist, and, and some stuff is going to pop up, I guarantee it. And, you know, you might end up might end up down like Macaulay Culkin rabbit hole, but you know what? Fine. He's pretty cool, too. On my website under macashton.com slash library, you will also to find a story called The Lake, which is about the Loch Ness Monster. So anyways, that is uh, it's all for me. I will talk to you at the end. Well, John, it's been a long time coming and we're finally here. This creature has been on our logo from the very first episode. It's been in both versions of our logo. Uh, and we really only talk about its redneck mob bred cousin in Lake Tahoe. Which, uh, while hey, interesting... don't talk about Tahoe Tessie that way. How dare you? <laughs> I don't know. I just I I, 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 I said this is what I feels, and it, it is it is redneck, and it certainly is mob bred. It probably feeds off it feeds off the bodies that get dropped in Tahoe. But uh, now we're gonna talk about the real item, which spawned Tahoe Tessie, and probably spawned a lot of other lake monsters, Nessie. So to start off. Uh, John, what was the first time you remember hearing about Nessie? You're gonna laugh at me for this. Um, <laughs> South Park. Uh, it was oh, episode season right. two or season three. It's the first time you meet Chef's parents. And there was a recurring gag where they talked about the Loch Ness Monster wanting about Tree Fitty. And I had no idea what the Loch Ness Monster was. South Park, that must have been 1999 or 2000 that episode came out. Um, or was it 1997 that the series premiered? But I was seven or eight. I was not not old. Um uh, that whole gag was the first time I'd ever heard of the Loch Ness Monster and had it described. So um, I will always think of the Loch Ness Monster in a Girl Scout uniform. No, so I, so I had seen that episode too, and I had completely forgotten about it until right now. But that gag ran for freaking ever. And I still know people who say tree fitty. Well, because the Loch Ness, like that, was, there were three different incidents in that episode. Where that, like, a different version of that story comes up because the Loch Ness Monster kept going back to Chef's parents to try and get about Tree Fitty. Um, the episode was The Succubus, by the way, where Chef is about to marry a succubus. Yeah, they got a lot of experience with mythical creatures, I guess. For me, uh, as a kid, I was fascinated with, like, cryptozoology and creatures that were on the fringe of existence. And, uh, pretty sure for a while there i thought i was going to be the first person to catch nessie uh but it was sandwiched between being an astronaut and becoming president so like i had a lot of high ambitions and i just never really got out to the lake to take a look uh but the first memory i have is reading a book called lock by paul zendel and this is a book about people hunting cryptids in a family and of course coming across a babby plesiosaur in vermont <laughs> which 
That was interesting. Like, in my mind, it was in Loch Ness, but no, it's in Vermont. So it's not really about Loch Ness at all, but it is about a big plesiosaur in a lake, and it is called Loch. So my brain put those two together. And anyways, after that, I was trying to find everything I could about the Loch Ness Monster. And yeah, I think I read that book quite a few times as a kid. Um, do you remember which which lake in Vermont it was in? I don't. I think I, think I know which lake it was. I just can't remember the name because I have a, a buddy who grew up around there yeah and they they have it seems like every deep lake has sightings you know mm-hmm. well and, and we have a couple of not just tahoe tessie but you got to remember M. Kelly bembe too was kind of the congo version of nessie yeah so it's it's in different regions you might expect as well yeah ogopogo in uh, british columbia but yeah other than that i remember a nat geo documentary or something like that about the original footage but that's kind of it and then the loch ness monster hasn't really come up other than a little bit in my interview with david george gordon when we talked about uh underground aquifers secret tunnels and cryptids that teleport so if you want to check that out that is interdimensional interdimensional tunnels. lake monsters is the title of the episode i believe is the beginning of season two and they said season three is when we went off the rails yeah no i think the season the end of season two was the uh that was the bellwether as it were uh so what the heck is a loch ness monster uh if you're not familiar with the basics of the myth we're we're gonna we're gonna jump into it. it's really simple uh people think there's an ancient plesiosaur hanging around in loch ness in scotland roll credits pretty much it uh, some people believe that these creatures exist in deep lakes around the world. We were talking about that. Lake Tahoe is an example. Uh, Ogopogo is actually a sea version of it. But if you uh, talk to David George Gordon, it's because there's aquifers connecting the sea to lakes. And that's how they get around. So others believe that they can uh, teleport, blah, blah, blah. Not not many people, but some. Others still believe that these uh, could possibly be creatures that are alien in origin. Also from the David George Gordon episode. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to talk about him a lot today. He's a very nice man. Yeah. And I mean, I think as we covered last week, three weeks ago now, in our episode with uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, uh, teleporting cryptids, probably not real. Okay. Sasquatch, probably yes, in his opinion. Teleporting cryptids, probably no. So I think that that's a good thing to remember. What is a plesiosaur, you ask? Uh, plesiosaur is an ancient creature from the late Triassic period, which is about 203 million years ago. That's about uh, a little bit after John and I were born. Uh, it has a long, Just a <laughs> it has a long, broad body and a short tail with two front flippers and two in the hind. Their necks were super long and their mouths were full of nasty ass teeth that were meant to catch fish. So basically, had a mouthful of fish hooks. And there were also some that had shorter necks uh, that were long and larger, kind of like a crocodile. If you've ever seen. Jurassic World. That is a type of plesiosaur called the Mosasaurus, I think. But the Loch Ness Monster is like that, but with a longer head. And this myth begins, I think we can date it back to the first century, so 100 AD. Back then, Scotland is ruled by a tribe called the Picts, uh, and I'm I'm not sure if this is why, but they were very heavily tattooed people and did a lot of pictographs, so I'm kind of wondering if somebody just shortened pictographs to Picts. Um... It would make sense, you know? But the Picts had this reverence for the animal kingdom and depicted it in great detail through carvings, photographs, or, or sorry, pictographs, and other means. Uh, most of the animals that they depicted were recognizable, but there were some early drawings of a fat creature with fins and an elongated head. There is, you could interpret this as a plesiosaur. Early Scottish myth also had the concept of kelpies, and kelpies are aquatic, shape-shifting horses that drag people to their deaths. Awesome. We should do an episode on them. 
they can take the form of humans, land horses, you name it. Like, if you were a water horse, I don't know why you'd take the form of a land horse. That sounds really fucking boring. But, Did we talk about that in our fairy episode? Uh, in the leprechaun episode? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I think Kelpies have come up before, but we haven't really yeah, got in depth. Sounds familiar. We've, we've definitely mentioned that at least once in a previous episode. Yeah. Kelpies are, Kelpies are, in the, all these folklore things are really interesting. These apparently have a tar-like sticky skin. So that once you touch them, you're stuck, and they drag you down to the depths and eat you. Uh, so your classic tar horse mermaid, everybody knows. In any case, given the prevalence of this myth, it is entirely possible that what we think is a previous or was actually just a pictograph of a Kelpie. But, you know, I, either way. The first actual sighting comes in at uh, 500 AD with St. Columba, a missionary credited with converting Scotland to Christianity. So already kind of a dick. Uh, St. Columba... Chilling by the lock with his monks, as missionaries do, and he orders one of them to swim across to get him a boat. Again, because I guess that's that's what you do. So being a monk, the dude does this without question. It's a big lake. Loch Ness is not small. Uh, so he gets halfway across, and that's when the monster appears. And this is where the details get a little murky, forgive my pun. Uh, some accounts say the monster bit the swimmer and went to attack another man. Uh, some say it didn't bite him it just roared a bunch and so you know like so you basically got an aggressive myth and one that's just like oh yeah there was this plesiosaur hanging out in the water of course saint columbo wasn't going to have his monk become plesiosaur food so he shouted at the creature and uh yeah that's all he did he shouted at it what he shouted is up for debate some say it was go back some say it was go no further nor touch the man and others say it was you shall not pass uh i believe there was one more option based on everything and that's the power of christ compels you mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you would have thought right yeah apparently, apparently christ isn't very compelling to Loch Ness monsters who knew well actually in this case it was because the creature was scared <laughs> or uh compelled to recede into the water so i don't know not a very uh not a very scary opening salvo for the myth, I guess. Kind of reminds me of La Madremonte and insults that you could just uh, insult her to make her go away. She has low self-esteem. Yeah, apparently so does the Loch Ness Monster. Well, I mean, they're a big old plesiosaur. Haven't really like, why, does, why doesn't anybody love me? Turns out it's because he's the last one on Earth. Yeah, God. Well, or he didn't find the, uh, the aquifers to get to the other ones. Tough. That's tough. It is tough. But neither of those, like... That's all, like, if you want to go back really early and find potential sources for the myth, like, those are some, but the real time it started was probably in 1933. And like most cryptid origins, it involves a blurry photograph. Uh, the photograph, which uh, posted on Twitter right now, by now, shows a long, silhouetted neck reaching out of the water surrounded by black ripples. Uh, you probably have seen it before. It's everywhere. Uh, it's got no real defining characteristics. In my opinion, it looks like a submerged brontosaurus. Uh, it's it's kind of just like a silhouette. And it was taken by a London surgeon and sent into the Daily Mail. And as you, uh, you know, that's what you do with a monster picture when there's no Twitter. Now, here's where things get interesting. John, have you ever heard of a man called Bertram Mills? No, but I love that name. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I had never heard of him either. So Bertram Mills was a famous circus owner in the UK Kind of similar to, but not as exploitative as P.T. Barnum. It's a good time to address. We talked about P.T. Barnum in a recent episode, and then I learned that P.T. Barnum literally built his empire on the back of slaves. His first sideshow attraction was one of his slaves, and he was kind of a shitty dude. Uh, so, yep. Anyways, 
Bertram Mills, allegedly not as shitty, but he was a white guy uh, in the 30s, so hard to say. But <laughs> God damn it! I mean, just just true, statistically speaking. Um, anyways, I digress. Bertram Mills was traveling via the lock on his way to Inverness, which is a nearby city in Scotland, and he offered the equivalent of two million pounds, which converts to two point seven million USD at the time, not indexed for inflation, uh, to anyone who could capture the monster. Uh, which, of course, he wanted it. With his circus. While this is before we learned that holding big aquatic animals in activity was bad for, or captivity was bad for business. The first time we tried this was like a, with like a deadly creature. It was like a great white shark in 1955. Did not go well. Uh, nobody's ever been able to hold them. Uh, and I'm guessing a circus probably didn't have the biggest tank, given that it had to be portable. Or the thickest tank. Yeah, yeah right. Like, I don't understand what he thought he was getting. Well, okay, so clearly it wasn't real. So he wasn't actually thinking it through. But like... Humoring him for a minute, how the fuck was he going to hold a plesiosaur in a circus tent? It would take up the whole goddamn tent. Doesn't make any sense. You buy a new tent? Yeah. Well, so interestingly enough, I say maybe he didn't believe it because it really juiced uh, circus ticket sales. Like really juiced him. He did super well in, uh, when, when he was in Inverness. But... There is another layer to this, which is the animals from the circus would often bathe and drink the water at the water's edge in Loch Ness. So there is some speculation that the top of an elephant's head and its trunk might look an awful lot like the Loch Ness Monster in the original 1933 photo. And maybe a certain surgeon was given said photo to juice circus ticket sales. It all comes back to the dollar, man. Always the dollar. And this isn't even an American myth. But that's, that's, that is where this myth kicked off. But it obviously has not died there. And for that, I'm going to pass it to you, John. Yeah, so when you look at this and how it's been commercialized, I think we've talked ad nauseum every time we've had any kind of cryptid discussion. Um, Wyoming has mythalized the, or has commercialized the jackalope. They're, set, they're always selling um, hunting tickets. You've got... Um, Tahoe Tessie, where businesses are named after her, um, and they have bumper stickers and all of those types of things. And the Loch Ness Monster is no different. Um, Loch Ness has built a cruise ship that goes around to try and find Nessie and follow Nessie. Uh, they built a new road to make it more accessible so you can see the lake as you drive around it. Um they installed webcams so you can watch and see if you can find Nessie. Like this has been a extremely commercialized thing and tourists come all year round to try and catch a peek. And it's, it's um, a point of passage for uh, cryptid enthusiasts to make, make a trek there. How I Met Your Mother had a big thing about this where Marshall spent their honeymoon 10 days at Loch Ness searching for Nessie. Uh, and it's, it's those types of things where that's a show, but there are plenty of people who have actually done that. I totally forgot about that trip. episode. Oh yeah, well he was obsessed with Loch Ness. He always he always pushed that it was a gentle creature and misunderstood. Hey, I mean it, it fits with some of the stories. Maybe Marshall was right. Yeah, could have been. Um, but looking at sightings, uh, you had mentioned the one in the five hundreds by Saint Columba, um, Columbus, Columba, Columbia. Apparently, he has many names. Um, and you mentioned the the surgeon, but. Um, in ni- or in 1888, Alexander MacDonald reported, um, reported his sighting of Loch Ness, comparing it to a salamander. 
Uh, which hmm. if you were to shrink what we know of Loch Ness, you could see it being compared to a salamander. Um, Aldi McKay uh, was interviewed by Alex Campbell, who was a water bailiff for Loch Ness uh, back in the 1930s. The 1933 and 1934 were actually apparently a really big time. Probably exactly what you said, the surgeon's photograph. And typically when we see something go widespread like that, you see a huge uptick in um, sightings. So uh, yeah, going back to it, water bailiff, that's basically a water cop. Those are the people who police bodies of water. Um, he was also a part-time journalist, and Aldi McKay compared it to a whale. She claimed it surfaced for over a minute and churned the water, and then when it submerged, it caused waves, quote, normally coming from a massive steamer. Uh, when she was interviewed many years later, she also did admit that she already knew about the oral history of a beast in the water. So there is some question of, like, how legit was this? Was she just kind of stoking a myth? Yeah. George Spicer described seeing the monster um, passed in front of his car when he was driving through the area. Uh, it was about four feet high, 25 feet long, and described it as the closest thing to a dinosaur or prehistoric creature he'd ever seen. In 1934, Hugh Gray uh, purported to have the first image. This is not the surgeon's photograph. Um, this ended up being fake and proven as such. A fishing boat took sonar readings in 1954 and picked up a large object keeping pace with the ship uh, 146 meters below the surface uh, and followed the ship for 800 meters before it broke off and they couldn't find it again. And sonar is an interesting thing because we see that pop up a few times. Peter McNabb took a photo of two humps together in 1955, but it wasn't published until 1957. Uh, a lot of people are easier, easy to dismiss it, saying, ah, it's just a couple waves coming together. And I think that's the tough thing that you've got to remember is with old photographs and how lighting was, especially in Scotland where it's very gray and very wet all the time, um, you see waves churned up and it's very easy to mistake those types of things or sea otters or those types of creatures for Loch Ness. So, yeah, because like um, it's, they're, they're all silhouettes and... Some of them, there's not really a good sense of scale. Like, I think that somebody else has also said that the original photo might have been a toy dinosaur, uh, like, just shot with a silhouette and at very close range. Yeah, there's there's one in here where, like, in, in 1960, Tim Dinsdale, an aeronautical engineer, was filming and saw a, quote, probably animate object with a reddish blotch on its side, but... They reviewed the footage, and it turns out it was a man in a boat. So, And then in 1977, Anthony Dock Shields took incredible photos of the monster. They were never published. Um, he claimed to have, quote, summoned the creature out of the water. He was like a hypnotist. Good old hypnotist summoning the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, yeah. Uh, in 2007, Gordon Holmes shot great footage of a jet, jet black creature that was more than 14 meters long. Um, Adrian Shine, a marine biologist, said it was the best footage. But then looked really close and was like, but it's probably an otter. Um, <laughs> and then in 2011, another book took a, or another boat took a sonar image of something following it for 26 meters. Uh, but it ended up being an algae bloom. So there are a lot of like, hey, we really want this to be Loch Ness, but it's just not. Uh, and then George Edwards looked for the creature for 26 years, searching, quote, 60 hours a week, unquote. He claimed to have a great photo, but this dude faked a bunch of photos throughout the year or throughout the years. And then finally, Apple Maps took a photo showing something underneath the surface. Um, and this was a big thing when it came came to light on social media where it was a satellite view. 
and it looked very clearly like a monster. Um, but a lot of people are like, it's, it's probably just waves crashing together. Um, we've seen a few searches financed and put together throughout the years. Uh, in 1934, Edward Mountain financed an expedition uh, where a group of folks recorded footage for five weeks but only took two photos. All footage was eventually lost. And then, Ashen, you'll love this. The Loch Ness Phenomena Investigation Bureau, the LNPIB, they put together a group where they charge an annual fee. And the more you look into it, the more it's, it's very much a scam. Um, and they were just extracting money from people, which is shitty. I would love uh, to see like a like a Taika Waititi show about the uh, what is it LNMP? Uh, the LNPIB. The LNPIB, starring Ryan Darby as the person running this organization. That's an idea you can have for free. I feel like I've pitched to him a few times on this show now. So it it was I, only around for about five years, from like 1973 to 1978, I believe, were the years. Uh, so it wasn't around long, and it was quickly disbanded. Um, and then very recently, uh, back in September, Richard Maver was recording footage with his 4K drone while he was camping outside of Loch Ness and actually accidentally stumbled upon footage. He had to rewind a bunch. Um, it's on his YouTube channel, Richard Outdoors. Eowyn O'Fodhagen, who's Irish, uh, was watching on webcams and saw a black shape duck underwater as boats approached. Uh, which has been a big thing for COVID. Um, they have those webcams installed to look at Loch Ness. So a lot of people have been using it as an outlet to pretend they're outside and try and keep an eye out. Um, eight-year-old Benjamin from London was on the Nessie Hunter of Loch Ness cruises um, and ended up spotting sonar readings and flagging it to the captain. Hmm. Uh, and then a tourist saw a hump come up against the waves looking like a turtle's back back in June. Uh, Mary Colwyn Wongle was watching the webcam footage and saw a black shape passing swimming in front of the shore. Uh, and if if you're curious and want to just go down a rabbit hole, LochNessSightings.com keeps a list of like every single sighting. I flagged like the tangible ones here within the past year, but um, if we were to go through and talk through every single sighting, uh, official and unofficial, we'd be here for hours. So um, I tried to shorten it up and then when it comes to pop culture, uh, Loch Ness is one of the biggest things out there. It's it's up there with the Yeti, uh, where books have been written, um, short stories have been written. It's been included in shows. Uh, they've made tons of movies. So it's it's very prevalent, and it, it goes back to being one of the most commercialized cryptids out there. And that's from the government of Scotland and, and the cities surrounding Loch Ness all the way down to this is a public domain creature because it's been around for so long, so nobody needs to pay royalties, and it can be included in anything. I think um, a really important resource to visit, too, is if you go to macashton.com slash library, you will find uh, The Lake, a Nick Ventner tale, which happens to be about Loch Ness Monsters and uh, how they really like chocolate. You know, that is up. It is free. You should go check it out. Uh, I didn't know you wrote that. I need to go back and read that one. It's a it's a pretty old one. Uh, I think I originally wrote it in 2014. So like right right after I initially wrote Wide Out. But I've gone back and redone it a few times since then. But yeah, magashton.com slash library. It's on there. Um, I also wanted to bring up one more. It's not really a sighting, uh, but it is a possible explanation that I... This came out... Hang on, hang on. Oh, Are yeah. we bringing back 
Ashton's conspiracy corner. This isn't a conspiracy corner. This is uh, this is like an anti-conspiracy corner. I wish we were. You know, we can bring back Ashton's conspiracy corner at the end. I'll do it. I'll, I'll come up with something. But this one is from uh, the end of 2019. So kind of understanding why it would get overlooked. Some other stuff happened in 2020. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I remember it was big. Uh, Kobe died. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that that's what marked 2020. And the fires in Australia. Um, so researchers from New Zealand, uh, went to Loch Ness to try and catalog all the living creatures in there, uh, using DNA sampling techniques. And this was a study by Neil Gemmel. And I talked about this with Dr. Meldrum last week because he wants to work with Neil Gemmel to do some stuff for, I believe, Bigfoot DNA sampling and do something similar to what Neil Gemmel has done for Loch Ness, which is, uh, find a shit ton of eel DNA. And while there's no, like, hard evidence of giant eels in Loch Ness, they do say with the amount of eel DNA that's present, it can't be ruled out. They were trying to find evidence of shark and catfish DNA because they thought that uh, sharks or catfish could easily be mistaken for the creature, but they did not find either of those. They just found a lot of eels. To, like, freshwater shark? Yeah, I think that's what they were looking for, or like a Greenland sharks or something like that, I think is what they said. But uh, nope, just eels. So it, it is entirely possible that this could, it, like some of the sightings could be due to giant eels in Loch Ness. So kind of interesting. And it's, it's fun to see a scientific approach to that. And like that went viral for like a hot minute. And then again, something happened in 2020 that um, made us all forget what happened at the end of 2019. Oh, that Iraqi general was killed. That's right. That's what it was. Yep. That's what it was for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me hit you with some fast conspiracy theories here, John. Bring it on. Number one, we all know about Amelia Earhart, right? Very familiar. Allegedly crashed uh, her plane, I believe, over the Pacific. Well, yeah. what if she never crashed at all? What if she was actually flying over Loch Ness? Okay, and we're dealing with like a transformer type situation where now she inhabits the body of the Loch Ness monster and it's actually just a big mechanized beast. And she's down there doing her, she's doing her research, biding her time until she's going to come back into the public spotlight. Okay, that's one. You can have that for free. How old would she be? Living inside a mechanized being, she knows no time. She knows no age. Okay? All right. Number two. A guy in Loch Ness, really fond of keeping reptiles, ended up releasing some into the lake, and then they got really big. That's easy. That's that's another one that's easy and for free for you all. That's really all I got. I mean, the Bertram Mills one with the circus seems, that seems like the real the real deal. I think this was made to juice ticket sales. I don't know about you, John. Yeah, I think it... it, With all the technology we have, with things that could be monitoring this lake 24-7, if it's never surfaced... And, like, does a paleosaur need oxygen? Does it have gills? Like, how does it breathe? Uh, We know that. Plesiosaurs, so I believe they they could breathe. Like, are they like whales where they need to come up for air? I think they are like whales because they have nostrils. So that, that uh, well, in, in Jurassic Park, <laughs> they had nostrils. Well, Jurassic Park is the closest thing we've got to That's basically the living fossil record right there. Our our water giraffes need to breathe, um, and so that's the major thing that I wrap my head around is with the amount of attention on this thing and the amount of webcams and satellite imagery looking at Loch Ness twenty four seven. We should have seen something by now. Yeah, like, I get that Loch Ness is like twenty three miles long, and it's it's real deep. 
I don't know. And if it, like, just comes up with its nose holes. So, like, yeah, you're right. With imaging, I feel like it'd be really hard for us to miss it. I will say, though, the whole DNA thing, would that really be present in a lock that big? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about DNA sampling. I I don't know. And their goal was not to find Nessie, to be clear. They just wanted to find out what plants and animals lived in Loch Ness. I think that the amount of eels was a bit of a surprise. And then they were like, well, if the eels are here, like they might, they could have uh, indeterminate growth and just get big because they've got so much room to grow. And they look slimy and they kind of look like a monster. But hear me out. Hear me out, John. What if it's, what if there's a third option? What if the Scottish government was secretly developing a new type of biotic submarine, okay, for their nuclear weapons program. And what we saw coming above was really just, like, a fleshy periscope. Okay, similar to The Expanse, they're experimenting with technologies that are built on living things. And really, there's a bunch of Loch Nessie submarines hiding in the water there. What do you think about that? I love it. Is that, I think that, is that a possibility? That is... That is the most tangible thing, and that is absolutely where where Scotland would be investing their resources. Yeah, you got you, you heard it here first, everybody. The Scottish government is hiding their nuclear program, and and look, I, I'm I'm tired I'm tired of people saying this isn't real and and dismissing us as crackpots. The Scottish government is hiding their nuclear program in Loch Ness, and it's our duty as patriots to go there and take pictures of these biotic submarines because I, I'm not going to let Scotland pass America by. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to let them remain a threat to us. So, patriots, please go take pictures of these submarines. Thank you. Thank you for your time. You know what's weird to me, Ashton, now that I think about it? So, Jacques Cousteau had an expedition into Lake Tahoe, right? Yeah. Took a submersible there. I did not find that he did the same for Loch Ness. Why do you think that is? That's a good question. Probably because the Scottish government didn't want him to find their fucking submarines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's where, where and, we're going And the U.S. That. was like, oh, you want to find some mob bodies? Sure, go for it. That, oh, God, that's still the best story, because what did he say when he went down there, that he wouldn't tell anybody what he saw because we weren't ready for it? Yeah, meaning lots Lot, and lots of bodies. Lots and lots of dead bodies in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, that seems like an episode to me. I think we I think we got it. Uh, covered, awesome. covered all the bases and uh, we got teleportation nuclear submarines and like I said uh, you know do do your own research I'm just I'm just putting ideas out there <laughs> I think they're good ideas though I think they they track um, I think they're all tangible with quality evidence yeah so. yeah and, I, and I, I'm not saying it's the truth I'm just saying it's based in my expert opinion uh, so you know you take that as it will do your own research make your own opinions all right that joke's gone on long enough uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, John. Uh, we will see you next time for... I, I have no idea what the hell we're doing. I don't think we... Do we do we plan it? Do we have a plan for the next episode? I, I would be asking you. Yeah. That, that yeah I don't think I planned out the back half of the season. We're in the we're in the weeds now, so we'll find we'll, something. We'll figure it out. Worst case scenario, we'll go watch a Loch Ness movie and make it a cryptid cinema. Boom. There you go. There you go. Alright. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll see you later. All right, that is it for this week's episode of Cryptids Decrypted. I had a lot of fun with that one, and uh, yeah, gosh, I miss I missed Ashton's Conspiracy Corner, you know, because it's about me, and I, I really do like parts of the podcast that are about me. 
you know, and I have a lot of fun making up those conspiracies. So let us know if you if you like anything that we did, if you dislike anything we did. Again, the stuff I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast at Cast Decrypted on Twitter, uh, you could send us an email if that's more your thing. We are cryptidsdecrypted at gmail.com, uh, or you can send us an Instagram message uh, at cryptidsdecrypted. Pretty easy to find us most places. Okay, last time I said I was not going to get the episode out in two weeks, and I did, uh, which is apparently a lie. But this time, I really think that it's not going to happen because I'm actually going away on a vacation. So uh, I will try and get things edited before I leave, but I I don't think it's going to happen. So it's probably going to be about three, four weeks. But, you know, follow us on social media. I'll let you know when it's coming out. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, see you soon.